0: Hello and welcome to everyone. My name is Ladislav Faraponov. I'm a global community lead with Rubrika. Rubrika is a Ukrainian media outlet that is focusing on solution journalism approach. On behalf of Rubrika, let me say it's a great pleasure to welcome all of you tonight. And uh, before we start, let me say that today's discussion will be later published as a podcast on our social media. And we are present uh, on every major platform. So we really encourage you to follow us and uh, stay with us. And uh, also you'll be able to find the podcast on our social media very soon. And uh, we are really the driver of solution journalism approach in Ukraine and Eastern Europe. And uh, as always, we dedicate our public events that we have been conducting recently to armed forces of Ukraine and we appreciate their service and sacrifice to the country. And let me introduce our speaker for tonight's uh, discussion. We do appreciate his time. Uh, uh, it is Mikola Beleskov, a Ukrainian military analyst and uh, Mikola is a research uh, fellow at Ukraine's National Institute for Strategic Studies and also a senior analyst at Comeback Alive Zivim, in Ukrainian. Basically, one of the Ukraine's largest uh, volunteer foundations. Mikola, good evening and thank you for your time.
1: Good evening. We Thanks invite so Mikola much. not only
0: because of his incredible expertise, but also because he has the unique ability to, to explain complicated matters in simple terms. And of course, we appreciate that uh, he has found time for us. And just today, when we are making this episode, the Russians attacked Ukraine with enormous amount of missiles and drones again and uh, we pay tribute of course to those killed in uh, in kharkiv uh, today ukraine's largest city so let me uh, start i've seen on your twitter mikola that you spend time uh, at the shelter today as well so so let's proceed to today's um, conversation so as an as of early actually 2024 Nearly two years after the full-scale invasion, basically, what are the key aspects of Ukrainian defense, so Ukrainian air defense systems that our international audience should understand?
1: Well, first of all, thanks so much for your invitation and for such introduction. And uh, if we are talking about air domain. First of all, it's really important. So despite the fact that most attention is concentrated first and foremost on the battlefield, on the land domain, sea domain, air domain is uh, as well critical. Uh, I would say even it's uh, first and foremost critical because um, if, let's imagine, hypothetical situation, if if Russia is able, again, to establish kind of air superiority to really uh, employ its advantage and its advantage, nominal, huge advantage in piloted aviation that is now nullified. So if it's able to freely use piloted aviation, then for sure uh, situation might have been different if we are talking about last two years, and it would be different. So the most important thing that no one should take for granted, the fact that Ukraine was able to uh, successfully implement so-called air denial strategy, and uh, no one should uh, underappreciate the importance of continuous investment in such kind of strategy by different means. So the issue is uh, of utmost importance, and uh, uh, how situation evolved. I mean the dynamics of this war and how it might evolve. It critically depends on air domain. So that's why investment in air domain is is really really important. And that's why again I I'd like to emphasize maybe recall people who forget that. Um, Day to day, um, uh, like updates by the Pentagon that were done on a day basis uh, since the 21st of February, they started with admitting the fact that uh, airspace uh, over Ukraine is contested and Russia is not able to freely use piloted aviation because it's uh, not only about missiles, UAVs, it's about first and foremost, nine piloted aviation ability to be freely employed in the depths of Ukrainian airspace. Uh, The next thing is that, of course, we did a great progress because we started the war with the Soviet uh, system, legacy one of the 1980s. Now we are progressively employing more and more uh, sophisticated Western systems of different kinds with some capabilities we never possessed before, especially in terms of uh, anti-ballistic missile defense. And the last but not the least, uh, as for me, we've seen the renaissance of so-called anti-aircraft artillery. So... Uh, some time ago, it's it was hard to imagine that anti-aircraft artillery uh, would be again important, required. So the first renaissance of anti-aircraft artillery it was in 1960s, 1970s, and now we see the second renaissance of anti-aircraft uh, anti-aircraft artillery of different kinds, because uh, we see a proliferation of uh, novel novel means of air attack. First and foremost, it's kamikaze UAVs. Of different kinds both frontline kamikaze UAVs but also kamikaze UAVs with the ability to strike to the whole depth of Ukrainian defense so that's the second quite uh, an important uh, scene development uh, that is like uh, illustrative of a broader trends in terms of air defense
0: okay and uh, basically you mentioned um, uh, the fact that we did uh, a great progress in terms of um, basically using the kind of kind of the various uh, systems, but um, uh, I I heard that uh, basically many uh, analysts um, um, abroad and um, and also um, um, in Ukraine basically mentioned that at the beginning of the war uh, Russia. D- uh really underestimated the ukrainian air defense systems basic uh, so in this context the question is uh, how did that help ukraine um, at the time and um, did russia change uh, kind of uh, the strategy after after ukraine obtained uh, like a lot of um, uh, international systems uh, let's call it, uh, from its partners uh, in terms of air defense?
1: Well, uh, in terms of how Russians assess the situation before 21st of February 2022, well, I'll agree with this kind of assessment that uh, Russia underestimated Ukrainian ability not only in general to fight, but also specifically Ukrainian capabilities in terms of air defense. Uh, And uh, that's uh, the field we've made quite a progress Uh, in 2015 2021 Uh, so we uh, basically restarted the kind of um, annual uh, field exercises involving air defense because uh, before 2014 uh, they were rare they were few and far between unfortunately and the people they don't have didn't have an opportunity to actually intercept missiles because it's one thing to learn it in theory. It's another thing to do it in in real life. It's quite an experience and nothing can substitute it. And since 2016, we reinstituted this kind of exercises. It was a large-scale exercises done uh, annually at the end of November, usually uh, in Kherson region. Unfortunately, now it's uh, temporary occupied territories, but still it was quite a notable scene. And we started like with... In 2016, we employed like like 20 maybe interceptors something like this, and in 2019 it was 50 interceptors of, of different kinds, and that's a kind of experience, uh, and uh, that's one of the reason why we why we've seen uh, this kind of results. I mean Ukrainian ability to preserve its capability, to regroup, and uh, uh, basically to do this kind of air denial strategy to, to create a kind of risk. So we were not able to shoot every single like, Russian combat plane or every single missile, but we were able to decrease its effectiveness of employment or create a kind of risks that make Russians sink twice or three times before directing especially piloted aviation in depth of Ukrainian airspace. So Russians, they underestimated this kind of Ukrainian progress, and they, I don't know whether they overestimated their own capability in terms of establishing air superiority, because being honest, they before two thousand twenty two they never practiced this kind of things that the uh, Air force practice in terms of um, uh, first suppressing and destroying integrated air defense of your enemy. So what they usually practice is only supporting their land formations with strikes, and that's it. So they, I I highly doubt that they possessed uh, not only capability but skills in terms of uh, this very complex operation. So. That was uh, the result we've seen. So Russians were not able to establish air superiority, and uh, for the first months of the big war, they dared to do this in-depth strikes. But we remember that uh, uh, very shortly they understood it's too risky. So there were a lot of ro- losses uh, in Mokhovaya region, in Chernihiv region, around Kyiv, also in vicinity of Kharkiv. And uh, just m- one month passed, and the Russians say. Decided not to risk the uh, piloted aviation, their uh, limited stock of uh, uh, pilots, uh, trained pilots, and they switched the tactics. So we don't see Russian attempts to use like fighter jets, fighter bombers, bombers in depths of Ukrainian airspace. That's that's why they only rely on missiles, on UAVs, and uh, that's a that's a huge success. So yeah, along with um, with artillery, we also improved in 2015-2021. We also improved their defense and it was uh, quite an unexpected scene for russia so it's basically one of the major set of capabilities that allowed us to to foil russian original plan
0: yeah and um um basically you've touched upon uh, this um, while answering the first question but um, um, i would just like to answer uh, uh, basically to ask you if you if you have Something more uh, in mind that, uh, like considering the importance of uh, air defense in uh, in securing airspace, for, uh, and uh, uh, right now I'm referring to the so-called counteroffensive kind of the word that has been in the air for some time, and uh, obviously uh, when we are going uh, toward spring, I think uh, this word will be again. Uh, uh, like in the public discourse and uh, maybe um, um also it can be heard from our partners so like like what is the connection uh, right now and uh, if you have uh, some ideas about uh, not so distant future uh, so like what is the connection between uh, uh, air defense and the ground operations that that we may be talking about spring this year and probably early summer in terms of uh, how securing uh, uh, the Ukrainian air will help or not uh, Ukraine's armed forces to, uh, to move further?
1: Well, uh, air cover of information is uh, one of the important elements, prerequisite for both defensive and offensive operation. There are a couple of problems. The first problem is that there is a conflict between two two very important tasks we need to pursue simultaneously, but it's very difficult. So there is air defense of the country, so-called, when you defend critical infrastructure, major urban areas, uh, economic activity centers, and so on. And there is uh, air defense of the land formations. When you defend the grouping of forces, critical nodes in your um, system of defense, you basically nullify Russian advantage in air power over over your formation. So there is a conflict between these two scenes. So they are both simultaneously important and we lack adequate amount of capability and capacity to to meet them. And uh, that was uh, like a kind of guess provided uh, explaining why Russians so intensively targeted Kyiv in May 2023. So their major target, as, as it said, again, it's a hypothesis, as for me it's quite persuasive hypothesis, that um, the major task was not only like to deplete Ukrainian air defense, to check whether Patriot is able to intercept Kinzhal uh, air-launched ballistic missile and so on, but also to pose this kind of dilemma before Ukrainian political and military leadership. So whom you are going to defend? It's either your rare areas or Frontline formations, So that's why they made Ukrainians basically to uh, choose for uh, air defense of the country. And that's why uh, our um, air defense of land formations, it was not adequate to all the kind of threats we faced, especially uh, as, as, as we see Russians, they are adjusting. They, are, uh, they learned finally that you can use attack helicopters as a defense uh, to target uh, your opponent armor. As they did, especially um, successfully, unfortunately, in June two thousand twenty-three, they also do this kind of uh, Im- improvise uh, gliding munitions, uh, like a crude version of Joint Direct Attack Munition provided by the US to Ukraine. So they were, uh, they were both adjusting, and unfortunately, we both need to choose uh, whether to defend the country or the land formation, and then there is a problem that um, uh, means of air attack they progress and unfortunately systems that we will provided that were created for the air defense of the grouping of forces for land uh, air defense they are not adequate to the threats and that's why we see a number of examples when capabilities like uh, self-propelled uh, anti-aircraft uh, um, weaponry gepard i mean or like uh, avenger air defense system based on Stinger missiles so it was, uh, both of them were created for defense of the land formations, but it's not adequate so the uh, range is not adequate uh, to to nullify uh, a lot of new world targets and that's uh, also a kind of uh, problem uh, for Ukraine and uh, also there are again, just um, battlefield is more saturated with uh, novel means of attack, I mean um uh, kamikaze uavs in this kind we are talking about lancet uavs that are quite deadly unfortunately we need to admit it and basically it's just about again uh, the the density of uh, air defense means and it's not also adequate so there is a kind of triple problems as for me so conflict between country air defense and land formation air defense the fact that um, Uh, means of air defense for land formation we will provide, they are not adequate to newer threats and again battlefield in general more saturated with novel means of attack so you just need more and you don't have more of of the same system and last but not the least uh, again we can see it in in kind of um, how we employ uh, Patriot uh, surface-to-air missiles Uh, they were created for protection of land formations but uh, the system improved and became so sophisticated that it can be used both for country air defense, missile defense. And uh, Ukraine demonstrated uh, its capability to employ it both as a country air defense and uh, as a land formation air defense because basically it's this kind of ambushes we did first in May 2023 over Bransk region. Uh, It was uh, one of the deadliest dark day for the Russian aviation when they lost uh, two uh, to planes and three three helicopters, and also recent ambushes. I suppose they were also done by uh, Patriot surface-to-air missiles. But every time you employ this capability, it means risk. Uh, risk uh, with regard to uh, targets uh, to to the to the critical sites in a rare, and that's also the problem. So we see that uh, the, the the problem is still about mass, about number. No matter. Uh, the sophistication of the system if you don't have proper amount of this kind of system you usually need to risk them you usually need to decide what task to perform and that's uh, that's a problem so that's that's how i see the situation unfortunately with um, with uh, all things we know now uh, i don't think that situation is going to improve quickly so in a in a long term it's going to improve because uh, in case of NASEMS, uh, our partners, they in general, decided to procure 15 batteries. It's a huge amount. The only problem is that it uh, it took uh, one year to produce uh, two batteries. So it's like seven plus years uh, with this tempo production when we uh, will see all the systems that were promised in 2022-2023 would be delivered. So that's, that's why mass is mass. So quantity is a quality on its own.
0: Absolutely, and I think uh, we also uh, have seen how uh, the the rhetoric in terms of, in general, kind of joint production, and in terms of uh, um, uh, like improving uh, the timing of um, of production of um, uh, of the of the aid to Ukraine is uh, intensified and. Uh, um i was going to ask you about uh, the trends but uh basically you've covered uh that already in part so um a couple of months ago basically ukraine's authorities um on the highest levels have been appealing to to western partners to provide more air defense systems uh because uh because they were expecting more attacks uh, to come and actually we have witnessed it, and um, at the same time, uh, we uh, we know that uh, like uh, Ukrainian military personnel completed uh, uh, several trainings, for example, on the Patriot air defense systems, uh, which are probably like uh, the most uh, kind of well known among Ukrainians uh, and. Uh, and um, as you just mentioned, uh, uh, basically one of the, um, ideas that, uh, was kind of circulating, uh, um, inside Russia after Ukraine got the first, uh, the first Patriot missile was that, um, uh, like, uh, kind of Russians were expecting to, to hone for this, uh, for the system. But, uh. I would like to ask you this, like, despite uh, despite the lack of attention in Ukraine in this uh, uh, to this matter, actually, what impact does it have uh, in in terms of training abroad for um, for kind of members of Ukraine's armed forces on Ukraine's capabilities and also the decision making process uh, in terms of uh, providing more such systems to Ukraine?
1: Well, the beauty of such weaponry, sophisticated modern weaponry, is not only that it's so battle effective, able to intercept even missiles with the speed of over five five times speed of sound, so hypersonic speed. It's also quite, uh, let's let be honest, so this is the state-of-the-art system and uh, Ukrainians, uh, they are quite good at learning and it's not so, so difficult. To learn how this operates so that the system is structured in such a way that uh, basically if uh, it's deployed you need just a couple of people to operate it so everything is uh, augmented by the way with artificial intelligence that makes uh, well otherwise we won't see this uh, good reports about interception of hypersonic uh, speed uh, projectiles uh, because no human can respond to such short order of time well As for me, in terms of uh, demonstrating both uh, ability to quickly learn and employ efficiently, Ukrainian troops did everything to provide proper arguments. As for me, the problem is not in in military dimension. The problem is is in political dimension, unfortunately, partly. So right here, right now, it's just about uh, Ukraine... To see the packages of the assistance to be adopted so they can finance the proper shipment of this so that kind of interceptor is also maybe additional launchers and in the meantime it's also of course about augmenting uh, the capacity of western military industrial complex to produce more kind of interceptors because in kind of uh, in in case of for instance IRST, so everything that is produced is quickly shipped and employed so that's another problem so as for me, in terms of military, we we've demonstrated everything: ability to quickly learn, ability to successfully employ. the The only problems are partly, uh, partly political and partly uh, technological uh, and, and that's it. So unfortunately, again, um, weaponry modern weaponry it's effective, but uh, simultaneously it's very costly and it's very uh, difficult to produce. So, unlike in World War II, when uh, the weaponry was mass-produced, it was calculated in thousands, tens of thousands uh, pieces of equipment. Right here, right now, we, we see the situation when more and more people are discussing the advantages of uh, cheap, but uh, numerous equipment. So, that's that's also a kind of thing. So but it's... Uh, not only in air defense field, not, not only in uh, air domain, it's also about land domain. Uh, so that problem is quite universal. So as for me, Ukrainian military did everything. So unfortunately, the the uh, part of the field of our partners in this case. Uh,
0: yeah, so uh, I would ask uh, you uh, the, the next question from our audience. And uh, I also encourage... Um, uh, those who joined us online. If you have uh, questions, uh, you can uh, either prepare them and uh, and raise your hand, uh, or you can type them in the chat. I will uh, uh read it aloud. Okay, uh, so uh we've got uh, some questions in advance from our audience, and uh, the question is. Um, not so sure, but um, I will I will try to um, uh, to ask it um, in detail as much as possible. So the question is: Some experts have recently suggested that the failure to arm Ukraine could lead to NATO engaging in war with Russia, basically within a few years. How plausible is? Is it for moscow to rebuild its armed forces to threaten or harass countries like latvia estonia and lithuania and uh, the question is connected to the previous one uh, actually what should be nato's approach to responding to russia's border provocations is especially concerning again estonia latvia and uh, lithuania
1: Let's start from the last one. So more exercises, more military demonstrations on part of NATO to, to balance what Russia is doing. All kind of provocation would be fine. So I agree with this kind of suggestion. So more NATO on the eastern flank. And uh, that would be also good for Ukraine because mm, I'd like to see the situation when Russian military and political leadership face a kind of dilemma in what kind of capabilities to invest. So to confront uh, NATO in hypothetical scenarios, they need the air power and naval power. If you're talking about being a threat to Ukraine and to wage war against Ukraine, it's about uh, land capabilities first and foremost. Uh, so if uh, NATO uh, do a kind of competitive strategies that uh, include them on other scenes, continuous exercises, military demonstration to keep Russia nervous, to keep Russia guessing, to deflect as much as an attention in especially naval capabilities uh, or air capabilities with Ukrainian air defense reinforced, that would be great. So let's, uh, uh, let's think big, let's think not only about how to respond to Russian provocations, but how to instrumentalize them in creating more dilemmas for Russia. And that would be great. So being a kind of step ahead. Uh, with regards to the first question, different time frames were, were raised by different people so, I've heard about like three, five, seven, eight, even 10 years it would take uh, for Russia to reconstitute a force uh, and then be able to threaten something comparable it done with the Ukraine. Uh, well, uh, what I'm sure, what I'm certain that uh, Central and Eastern European countries, especially Baltic states, Poland, to lesser extent, uh, Finland, because its capability is already quite developed. They are already thinking about this kind of scenario, so they are not uh, proceeding from the assumption that uh, they they would cede some part of the uh, people uh, territory and wait for NATO to create a grouping of forces and only them do a counteroffensive and uh, regain all the territory. So they understand the risks uh, that first if Russia is allowed to come in, it means uh, genocide basically. So. That's the scene people in Baltic states, especially with uh, lack of uh, strategic depth, keep in mind, but also in Poland. So believe me, they constantly saying that even if Russia is not successful in attaining its goals, even if they take a chunk of our territories, means uh, since uh, committed uh, in 20th century something comparable crimes. So they uh, understand this kind of risk, and they also understand the risk that is Russia is allowed to... Uh, Great defense in depth to uh, solidify its control over land grab, territories uh, occupied, and then threaten nuclear retaliation, it means that who knows what would be the decision. So, with regard to time frame, I don't know how long it would take. I suppose it would take much more time because Russia built down forces before 2022 in more favorable conditions, both in terms of uh, money and in terms of access to technologies. Second, of course, is that uh, here and now war is wage in Ukraine, and that's why Baltic states are so eager to engage resources on behalf of Ukraine. So they understand that if Russia is preoccupied with Ukraine, so the threat to them is decreased. But even if we're talking about this kind of hypothetical scenario, they understand all the risks, they understand uh, the nuances, how NATO works, so that it's not a quick decision cycle. And they... Prepare, and that's why they adopted so-called uh, models uh, deterrence by denial it means uh, uh, basically in a so-called frontier battle you destroy enemy group in the forces and not allowed to take control over some part of your territory and solidify control over it that's why well uh, baltic states they procure uh, air defense system. they procure uh, anti-ship missile. they procure high Mars uh, with different kind of munitions for them. It was unimaginable. They are creating basically defense in depths uh, with with obstacles. Uh, the line of defense so-called recently decision was adopted. So they are doing their best in the meantime, strengthening Ukraine, because again, they understand that more Ukraine is decimating Russian, It means less threat for them in nearest future.
0: Yeah, and uh, we have just uh, the last question from our audience that uh, has been submitted uh, in advance. Again, I am asking uh, um, all uh, the present participants in the chat that you can uh, you can type uh, your question or you can just prepare it and um, answer it a bit later. And so, Mikola, the question is, in your experience with the Comeback Alive Foundation, could you tell more about the role of NGOs? And I think in here the implication is also made toward the volunteers in general, uh, regarding um, um, enhancing um, Ukraine's air defense capabilities. Um, I think uh, um, it will be interesting for our, our foreign audience to know some some trends uh, regarding how Ukrainian NGOs and again kind of the volunteer sector I would call it uh, kind of contributing to air defense systems.
1: Well, um, if you are talking about how since the world so air defense despite the fact that they operate complicated systems like surface-to-air missiles fighter jets radio um, uh, radio network um, uh, to detect what's going on uh, in in skies so they still need the computing equipment they still need radio stations to communicate to to interact and uh, coordinate the activities so in 2022 and in 2023 We provided as a Comeback Alive uh, radio station. So there are pictures when operators of uh, like Iris they have radio stations uh, provided by Comeback Alive. And we, we of course, proud of it. Of course, uh, equipment for, again, staff work. It's also so important. Um, But in 2023, we also launched a separate uh, project. And uh, the separate project uh, was... um, done in connection with the biggest uh, private postal network, Nova Posta. And the idea was to raise uh, more than 9.5 million of dollars and to translate them into command and control equipment. Uh, So this uh, like mobile uh, fire teams that are fighting with shahads and uh, cruise missiles, uh, they have... uh, instant communication because uh, there is a situation when uh, you need a separate communication reinforced one uh, on spot uh, and also command and control vehicles uh, with, with monitors with some special equipment we not provide details again to better coordinate application of all the means we have uh, I mean fighter jets, uh, surface-to-air missiles mobile uh, fire teams that engage UAVs and cruise missiles. So that's uh, how Ukrainian aid the world out of um, charity organizations. So from some day to day uh, equipment necessary in any case, because again, don't underestimate the importance of equipment necessary for the staff work, for coordination work. And then a separate project to enhance command and control and uh, uh, we distributed quite a lot of equip- equipment in this uh, project done with uh, Nova Posta, and uh, this equipment was provided to Air Command Center that is the biggest one responsible for air defense of the central Ukraine, including Kiev. That's why all people who, who read the news that certain amount of missiles was intercepted or Shahids were intercepted. It's uh, also because uh, ability to coordinate employment of means at hand was improved with different equipment sets we provided so you can check some details about specific types of command and control equipment we provided so it's open uh, and uh, that's quite a story we are proud of that we are able to meet the requirements of the separate branch of the armed forces in such important domain as uh, air defense so that's uh, the scene we are proud of as a charity organization that raised more than uh, Ten billion of grivnas—it's more than two hundred and fifty million of dollars since twenty-first of February two thousand twenty-two—and turns them into different force multiplier from forces.
0: Absolutely, and it—it uh, it is re- it is really a brilliant um, idea, and uh, the um, um, organization of um, of that campaign uh, on social media as well uh, is. Uh, Is enormous and uh, it has become like a slogan uh, uh, to to support um, its particular air defense systems. Uh, We have some questions in the chat, uh, Mikola. Just two of them. Um, I will start. uh, I will start reading it. The question is: What do you think of a missile downing with Browning machine gun? If uh, I'm not mistaken, and uh, I've written uh, the question as it is, uh, this was a newly made uh, Kh uh, 101 with traps. Do you think Ukraine could shift uh, to uh, more mobile units replacing the deficit, uh, heavy air defense uh, and increase them?
1: Well, I would say it's uh, right. like a coincidence. So that's a lucky, lucky situation, but it's very difficult to replicate this kind of conditions. So for kind, this kind of things to be effective, so it, it should be a part of the of the of the complex. So uh, not only firing unit uh, should be, but also some means to track the target automatically and to calculate. Trajectory of your fire uh, should be uh, should be uh, should be combined. So these so-called modules firing modules uh, sh- should be employed. Then we can envision a situation when, uh, for sure, they can be employed um, against uh, not only UAVs but also cruise missiles. Um, but uh, on its own, Browning uh, can shoot down a cruise missile, especially because it's quite a speedy target. So it fly. With, uh, with a speed of uh, less than uh, speed of sound, but still it's uh, quite a speedy target. So that's why the fact that we were able to shoot down one cruise missile with browning on its own it's a it's a success but uh, to increase chances for success or to multiply this kind of project, uh, it should be a separate firing firing module when where the role of the individual is decreased and everything done by algorithm everything done automatically. I mean both detecting, tracking, and then engaging the, the enemy means of attack with uh, with with bullets. So that that's that's why it's uh, let's treat it as a kind of exception if we are talking just downing with with a Browning.
0: Okay, and we have the very last question for today. Uh, It's again uh, not so short, but uh, I will uh, make just um, a quick um, of it. Uh, So, is it realistic for Ukraine to rely on advancing electronic warfare in light of the absence of air defense systems? and uh, uh, basically one of the recent attacks was um, was neutralized uh, using ew tactics s- silencing approximately 20 rockets well it can be a part of air defense because uh, uh, there are
1: different targeting methods usually it's uh, gps uh, plus inertial guiding so-called so uh, if uh, this was that kind of missile rely heavily on gps for sure, if uh, it can be uh, suppressed with electronic warfare, the signal, the check in, then we can decrease its effectiveness. But again, there is uh, other means of uh, targeting that, like a uh, uh, solid proof missile against uh, spoofing, against uh, suppressing with electronic warfare. So, o- on its own, it's not a kind of solution. In ideal world, it should be both kinetic and non kinetic means, and again, employed in mass uh so it means quite a lot of different uh, electronic warfare system and uh, there is another problem you need to the application of electronic warfare maybe with some other systems at your disposal so it's quite a complicated thing so in in ideal world for sure it should be a combination and uh, that would be fine if our air defense anti-missile defense would rely on electronic warfare and we need to be honest that uh, in general, not specifically in terms of air defense, but in general, electronic warfare proved to be quite a capable scene. It's not a silver bullet, but it's a capable scene, and there are reports that Russians are successful in uh, making less effective uh, this uh, Excalibur uh, munitions for artillery or uh, GMLRS ammo, so that's that's the, the truth. Or even JDAM that is also relying on GPS signal. So that's uh, the kind of example where uh, electronic warfare is successful and uh, can be complemented be part of air defense but on its own it's definitely not a silver bullet and uh, you need kinetic interceptor you need uh, to target bullet with bullet as it said uh, to ensure the best rate of interception and uh, Maybe we'll come to the situation when it would be not bullet and bullet, maybe it would be directed energy weaponry, so-called lasers, because there is still a problem of reliability of kinetic interceptors, and they are very costly ones to produce and employ, but right here, right now, that's the situation we have, so it's interceptors plus electronic warfare.
0: Thank you, thank you very much, uh, everyone. Thank you, mikola for your deep analysis and uh, insights. And in your opinion, I know that uh, you really don't like to answer uh, kind of very similar questions, but we do appreciate explaining it, uh, uh, explaining different uh, complicated uh, trends. Uh, and uh, uh, again, as I mentioned at the very beginning. Uh, uh, you are really the master of explaining complicated terms in simple, um, in, in simple terms. So we do appreciate your time and, um, we, uh, do hope to, to see you at our events at some point in the future. As for now, we are done for today. Uh, let me say again, a huge appreciation to our speaker who was Mikola Beleskov, a Ukrainian military analyst and a research fellow at Ukraine's National Institute for Strategic Studies and a senior analyst at Come Back Alive, one of Ukraine's largest volunteer foundations. Thank you very much for everyone who joined us today. Stay with Rubrika, follow us on social media and listen to our podcast Solutions from Ukraine. Thank you again and have a good and peaceful evening.